Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Palmieri, and welcome to Just Something About Her from The Recount and iHeartRadio. On this podcast, I talk to powerful women about how they made it to the top on their own terms. Here to help introduce our next guest is my producer, Sari Sopper. Jen, I'm so excited about this one. Kara Swisher is our guest. And as someone who not only produces podcasts, but is an avid listener also, Kara hosts some of my favorite podcasts, including her new show, Sway, about power by the New York Times. She also hosts Pivot, a tech show with her co-host Scott Galloway, and her shows are honestly some of the reasons why I love this medium so much. She really is best. I mean, I love it. I'll also add that before podcasting, Kara made a name for herself reporting on tech, which she's done since the 90s. And she is just the reigning monarch of... uh, Seriously. (laughs) The reigning monarch of tech journalists. She's very tough on the industry in both her writing and her interviews and is known as Silicon Valley's most feared, but also well-liked and respected journalists. She has that exact line in her bio. She's the most feared and well-liked journalist of Silicon Valley. I loved it. (laughs) Um, But she's really tough on them. I think the first time I really realized her sway, no pun intended, was an interview she did with Mark Zuckerberg in 2018, which we'll play some of. We didn't know what Cambridge Analytica was there. It didn't strike us as a sketchy thing. They... We just had no history with them. Um, knowing what I know now, we obviously would not have just taken their certification at, at its word. Should someone have been fired for this? You know, I asked Cheryl this. I'm just curious if you what you think. Well, I think it's a big issue. But look, I designed the platform. Mm-hmm. So if someone's going to get fired for this, it should be me. To be clear, you're not going to fire yourself right now. Is that right? Not on this podcast. Okay, all right. right. Well, that would be fantastic. Um, uh, I mean, I think you'll do okay. Um, so let's get to the, the the privacy and data part of it. One of the things you kept saying in Congress, which really drove me crazy, because you said it like tw- I counted. Do you really it. want me to fire myself right now? Sure, uh, it's just fine. just for the news. Yeah, why not? <laughs> oh. <laughs> whatever, Mark. Whatever works for you. No, um, well, I think so, we should do what's um, what's going to be right for the community. So all right. I, okay. I, all right. Well, I'll yeah. Go. She's tough. Yep. <laughs> but that particular moment is relevant now after the siege in the Capitol, which was largely planned and then egged on by the president on platforms like Facebook and Twitter. 
I mean, this was definitely the most stark and devastating example of how the internet is causing huge real world problems in the form of violence now. But obviously it's been going on for years in the form of, you know, increased political polarization, conspiracy theories, election meddling. I mean, Jen, I I meant to ask you, this is personal for you too, given the role social media and the spread of misinformation played in the 2016 election when you were working on Hillary's campaign, right? Yes. (laughs) It hits me a little hard. Not that any of us have been spared the trauma of disinformation spread on the internet. And I'll tell you my perspective on on tech has changed because I used to be more sympathetic that their problems were very hard to solve. And, you know, I'm not an expert. I didn't see what the solutions were. And now I have less patience. (laughs) And I want to ask Kara how her perspective on the industry has changed and what she thinks accountability looks like for these companies and what the Biden-Harris administration can do to clean things up. Definitely. And also, we probably should mention that there were some tech issues during this recording. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The irony. The irony of having Wi-Fi problems when you're talking to Kara Swisher. But we started this podcast (laughs) on Tuesday, the day before the inauguration. And I was staying at a hotel in D.C. that was filled up with hundreds of National Guard who apparently were using a lot of Wi-Fi. So we finished the second half of the interview with a much better connection on Friday, the couple days after the inauguration. So that's why you hear of some slight differences in audio quality. Oh, recording during the pandemic. (laughs) Always fun. (laughs) Still, really, Mm -hmm. I just she's such an engaging person to speak with. um, And it's one of my favorite interviews to date. So let's get to it. Kara Swisher, thanks for coming on Just Something About Her. Oh, anytime, anytime whatsoever. I hear you're a TV star now, though. So, <laughs> I'm, It's true. I'm a very big TV star in my three episodes of The Circus, yeah. but I do love it. I love it. Well, you know, we're all egomaniacs, Jennifer, so there you have it. You know, my I feel like my life changed dramatically, like so many people after Hillary lost in 2016. But, you know, mm-hmm. for me, it also meant I had to have a new career. And in 2017, I told you that I was going to write a book about, you know, sort of my experiences from the Clinton campaign. And you looked at me sort of skeptically and you yeah. said, let me give you a piece of advice. If yeah. you're going to do this, don't hold back, because if yeah. you don't hold back, that's like your superpower. People can't come after you. And I think you are the personification of that. I have adapted that advice to some degree, mm-hmm. not the degree to which you have. But let me just start with that. Like, sure. what do you think is so powerful about not holding back? Well, I think women in particular self-edit almost continually just to see how they're coming yep. through, what they're going to say. They don't really say what they think a lot of the time um, because they either think they're going to get perceived as crazy or bitchy or angry or any of the above. You know what I mean? They want their best selves to be showing at all times, their most controlled selves. And I think people do react no matter where it is online or in person, negative and positive. By the way, Trump does this. That's who he is. You know what I mean? He doesn't hold back himself. And it's a vile self, but it's not a game. It's not fake. And so it's an appealing thing for people to feel like they're hearing from the real person. And so I've always thought... You know, and it may be for lots of reasons I'm like that. It may be genetic. It may be being gay. Like they don't like you anyway. So what's the difference? Why even try to sand the edges off? Or you don't care. That's what Hannah Gadsby said to me. Like she said, I'm gay. I don't really care about men. She put it a little more graphically. She's like, I'm not interested in your penis. And so (laughs) I I, I don't, I'm not, but that's another, I mean, I think what it is, is that 
you can move right from the sexual element that's always present to a relationship, right? That's not going to happen. So now what? I don't believe this idea that all men are awful or, you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. They don't get socialized to do that as easily. And so I often end up feeling having raised two sons. I don't feel sorry for them anyway. They're tall, white, rich man in America. I don't feel like even slightly sorry for them, but I do see (laughs) what the constraints they're under of behavior that really affects us all sort of in a toxic way, that sort of toxic masculinity. One of the things that amazes me about you with the tech CEOs is Mm -hmm. you're the most respected, feared journalist in their universe, Mm -hmm. but they really seem to want your approval. Yes, that is true. You can be brutal on them. I don't think I'm brutal. I think I'm honest with them. And You're brutally honest, I guess. I'm not snarky. I don't make fun of them. I like ask direct questions. Like just the interesting interview I just did with the parlor executive. That interview was done on the day of the siege at the Capitol and the CEO of Parler, John Matsey, was talking about whether he felt responsible for running a medium where a lot of the violence was planned. Yes. I haven't seen a whole lot of illegal activity. Maybe there has been some, but it's a minority of the cases. Well, I do believe, having been to the Capitol dozens of times, that if you do anything out of the, like, go not go through their metal detectors, you don't follow their rules, you break windows, you run through the other people's offices, you take pictures of their offices, you sit in their seats. I believe that's all illegal. Yes, but, you know, I, I do want to push back a little bit on this here, because if you go back six months ago, you had a lot of the media putting out full stop, including the New York Times, saying in defense of looting, where they came out and said, you know, it's acceptable to loot and looting and, you know, all this stuff needs to be, there was even a book written and promoted. But it was during the time when there was a lot of people on the left looting and angry. The New York Times was not promoting, I'm going to push back on you. The New York Times was absolutely not promoting looting. That is untrue. Well, my, my, you can uh, say it. I mean, this is like, this is, you can say it. It's untrue. It's a hundred percent true. It's not true. Well, I, I don't know the specifics of the No, New don't York do Times, the, I don't know the specifics. You don't know the specifics. It's un, I'm telling you, it's untrue. And if you, unless you have a specific, you can't make that allegation. You listen to that. I think I was entirely fair. Now, it resulted in disaster for his company. That interview was really the, the beginning of tipping over a parlor. But I just asked him direct questions and challenged him when he said things that were just like the New York Times promotes looting. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like it wasn't, I wasn't particularly like mean to him. I thought I let him speak. I think I gave him space. Just the things he said weren't good answers. That's not my fault. And I don't think he could blame me for tricking him into an answer. That interview, I think was one of the best interviews I've done. Same thing with Mark Zuckerberg. I'm not impolite to him. I'm not, you're an idiot. I don't, blame him for anything. I say, I think you're are irresponsible when it comes to misinformation. And I state it, I'm coming directly at him. And it's not some right. wind up a lot of reporters use like, well, some people say right. you know, reporters like that. You like the ones who are straightforward yes. right at you. Right? Right. Because a lot of reporters will come out with a big wind up gotcha question. Like on January 10th, you said this. Right. And then on January 26th, you said that. So which one right. is it? Right. Yeah. And you don't get a good response out of the person either. And I feel like with you, you're having a conversation and in real time, you're correcting or calling out or responding like you really defended the times when he said, well, the times was Mm -hmm. like calling on people to loot. And you're like, no, they were not. Don't say that. His whole premise in that thing was 
you know, let the world sort itself out because you can say, I want to, you know, hang President Pence, but let's everyone call that person out. And I was like, wow, that's a really interesting way of dealing with insurrection. Like, let's shame those insurrectionists. And I wanted to like say that. And I think what I do is I have a genuine response because I'm genuinely listening to him rather than Mm -hmm. there's a lot of reporters that sit there with questions. And so I try to bring out something that you don't expect in people and push back fairly. I would say push back on fair things when they say something because I'm listening to them. I'm listening and hearing what they're saying. Yeah, it seems like it's all happening in real time. And that brings the conversation to a different place than you're going to hear any place else, which is... I guess why you're like really good at what you do. (laughs) Um, I, you know, earlier I was sympathetic to tech, you know, to what Facebook and Twitter and I said where they were facing and, you know, they would say like, oh, we need to do better, but we don't want to censor. And and I totally I I pretty much fell for that for a while. But you said like the way I think you put it was the. You know, Mark Zuckerberg says he doesn't want to be the arbiter of truth. And I think your response was like, well, then don't create a platform that requires you to be the arbiter of truth. I think a lot of people had this knee jerk First Amendment thing. It's like you're against the First Amendment. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm for reading it properly is what I'm for. I'm for actively reading it and understanding what the intent was. And I think people in this country and you could see it what happened in Congress. It was just a manifestation of we can do whatever we want because that's been the past right. the Trump administration. And you can't actually do whatever you want. I mean, he can, but you are going to jail, my friend, all you little followers, you're all going to prison, just so you know, you know? And so, so I think one of the things that Mark sort of tapped into and so did Twitter is this idea that people think they have fully free speech without consequences. Right. They certainly can say whatever they want. It doesn't mean they don't have to pay for whatever they say or whatever they do. And so I think that's, that's what I was hearing from them. I always call them libertarian lights. You know, they just yeah. they articulate libertarian values, but don't live them or understand them, whatever. And so right, I- Right, because there's accountability with like a libertarian, yes. like a yeah, Accountability is nowhere in their discussion. And of course, that's great. Why would you want accountability if you didn't have to have it? Especially if you're a 12-year-old boy, you know what I mean? Like they're all Peter Pans and guess what? Neverland doesn't exist, so. Yeah, yeah. or a 30-something-year-old. Yeah, like, they're always see, older. Yeah. And you can watch how they, they dress. I mean, of course, I'm wearing a sweatshirt right now, but, you know, their juvenilia dressing, the way they're treated, yes. the way they oh live in God. a constant state of youth when they're older. Um, it's all about lack of accountability. Right. One of the things that really struck me early on when I was covering them, and I was always wondering why the products were so unsafe for so many people, except for a certain amount of people, was because I've said this over and over again, they've never felt unsafe a day in their life. And that's why they build the things they do because they're not unsafe. And so they can't even imagine how that might be. And it reminded me just recently when I said I had empathy for the protesters and someone's like, how could you like them? I'm like, I don't have sympathy for them. They all need to go to jail. But I have empathy that they've been clobbered all this time with misinformation, taking advantage of some of them have sad, you know, difficult lives that nobody listens to them. Nobody hears them. Sure. They've gotten themselves into messes and they want to blame someone. I have empathy for that, but I don't have sympathy for what they then did. But it's sure hard to resist some of the crap that gets shoveled their way on a daily basis. Part of the First Amendment problem seems to me to be, sure, you have a First Amendment right to say whatever you want to say on the Internet. But if you go on someone else's platform, that's their platform. That's their platform. You actually don't. It depends on where you go on the Internet. Like 
You can stand on the corner and say things, but if you veer into a bad place, they arrest you. You know that. Like you can't threaten someone's life on a corner. You can't. Like if you just take everything into the analog, you can't like go into a a store and pee on their clothes. I mean, you could, like you can, but you don't. And so for some reason, when you get online, everyone thinks, oh, I can do whatever I want, but you're on a private platform with rules that that they need to follow. Now, the problem is they don't enforce those rules very well. They're very random and arbitrary in terms of how they do it. And then they change them so that it's hard for people to understand where the rules are. And that's the problem is they've been mismanaged so badly. Yeah. And then the other part is like, there's only two companies that matter Uh in the social communications, Twitter and Facebook really is the only one. And so my issue is not so much with, you don't like being squashed by Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey is why is it only that they can do that? Like, why aren't there 20 different places you can go and everybody has different rules on their platforms? It's because of the lack of innovation, too much concentration of power by the big tech companies. And that's separate from First Amendment. That's why we have the problems because it's too concentrated in a small group of people. They made the right decision, but not every time. They made the right decision with Trump? Yes. Suspending Trump's account? Yes, finally. Finally. I mean, your last column of 2020 was that his account would be suspended once he left mm-hmm. office. So, yeah, um, and I, I actually... I didn't figure insurrection in, sorry. You didn't figure into the insurrection. Right, you I didn't... Did not, right. I did not see that one coming. Even you, <laughs> well, who like sees things. Not that. <laughs> Come on, you're like, what? Actually, oddly enough, on the sh- Monday before the attack, I was on my pivot show. Yeah. I had been preparing for the parlor interview and things like that. right. I had been reading so much of it. I was, and I went into Reddit and some other places. And I said on the show, I think they're going to attack the Capitol. That's what they're saying. They're organizing on these platforms. And I had Stephanie Rule as my co-host. And she goes, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I'm telling you, read what they're saying. That's quite specific. They signaled it in public. And and also the whole issue of them going up there with their phones. I was sort of like, now we're doing crimes on Instagram. And I was like, wow, this is weird. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, <laughs> it's like right. And then facial recognition. I was like, all of it comes together, you know, in one big. There is no privacy anywhere. So what the hell? You know, if you were really good at what you're doing, you would have stripped yourself of technology. So accountability and consequences keeps mm-hmm. coming up. I'm wondering if that's going to be the next big thing, like this new Biden era. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know what's going to happen because I don't, I don't think either President-elect Biden or Vice President-elect Kamala Harris has been particularly tough on tech. So I don't know. You know, they say some things and Kamala Harris sort of attacked Twitter and the thing. But, you know, when she was attorney general, she was OK strong against them. She did a lot of privacy stuff, which I would, thought was great. But, you know, she was also close with tech. And the same thing with there's mm-hmm. a lot of tech people in the Biden administration, very much like the Obama administration. Right. What I do find striking was the two lawsuits that happened happened in the Trump administration, not the Obama administration. As you know, I'm a critic of how slow right. Obama was to do anything about tech or not at all. He didn't do anything and allowed it to grow in a way that is dangerous for all of us. And so I think what would be great is if they keep up some of the stuff the Trump people were doing, some of which was laudable. Other stuff was stupid, like the TikTok attack. All it was, was it was a press release, essentially, what they were doing, and nothing was yeah. happening. There are big issues around China, especially China and technology. And so I'd be interested to see what they, if they continue the Google lawsuit and how they continue, and if they fund the FTC and who they put on the FTC to start to really enforce and wage real lawsuits against these tech companies. 
and if they encourage what's going to happen in Congress, whether yes, they deal with Cicilline or privacy bills or anything else. So I'll just wait and see. I find them very centrist when it comes to this stuff. And it depends on how much power they give Elizabeth Warren, who's apparently the existential threat of all time to Mark Zuckerberg. If she gets some power here, yeah, maybe, maybe something will happen. Okay, after the break, we're going to get deeper into lawsuits and regulations that could hold tech companies accountable for their actions and make the internet a safer and more just place. And Kara tells us what she thinks should be done about the fact that tech CEOs have made inordinate amounts of money during the pandemic. All that when we're back with our guest, Kara Swisher, on Just Something About Her. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And we're back to just something about her with our guest today, Kara Swisher. To pick up where we left off, talking about a possible new era of regulations and lawsuits against tech companies under the Biden-Harris administration. So, Kara, we were talking on Tuesday and I was staying at a hotel with a lot of National Guard that seemed to be eating up a lot of Wi-Fi. (laughs) So we had to stop and start again today. And it's Friday. So it's two and a half days into the Biden administration. How did you feel watching the inauguration? How do you feel uh, today about the new administration? Well, everybody feels relieved, right? Like there's no four alarm fire going on on Twitter. Like what the hell did the president do today kind of thing. And so you're you're almost sort of forgetting competence. Competence doesn't get as much attention as enragement. Like everyone's focused on Bernie Sanders memes, right? Fantastic. What a great thing. And they're so funny. And it really does make you think like if the Internet was nice, this is what it would be like. Really delightful, creative people making each other laugh, right? And so you sort of get a glimpse of this idea of the Internet, of what it could be and what it should be. People misbehaving is down significantly. So I feel like the Biden-Harris administration will be a lot tougher on tech because Democrats have evolved in our thinking an enormous deal. Yes. You know, like I worked for President Clinton at that time. It was like tech was, you know, those were the utopia years, right? Right. And mm-hmm. we believe that they were altruistic and also Democrats didn't want to look like we were getting in the way of innovation because we were always mm-hmm. seen as anti-business, right? So this was right. the good business that you could support. Very fair. And that sort of ethos kind of largely continued through Obama, where we saw, again, I didn't work on these issues directly, but just like my impression, it's like they're getting bigger. Maybe they're getting too big. They're getting too much power. But I always had this assumption that at their bottom line, if they could you know, rein things in, they would. Yes, they were making a lot of money, but they were also acting from this like point of altruism and like creativity. Yeah. And I no longer think that. <laughs> yeah, no, they're businesses. 
They're like chemical companies. I kept saying that to people. I was like, you know, they're like rich people everywhere are the same. They just have, you know, different shoes. And hoodies. Whatever. They and just want power and money. And they, they will deny it to the day, but all of them have planes. All of them protect themselves from the world. They, yeah. they armor plate their Teslas, whatever they need to do. They just feel like regular people. And trust me, they're no better than a, a banker or a giant Hollywood mogul or anybody mm-hmm. else. And they're also helpful. That By the way, compared to other companies, except for just giving money, like, look, Jeff Bezos yesterday, we'll help you distribute vaccines, right? Sure. Right, right, right. Now, right. I have two questions for that. Why didn't you do it before under Trump? Maybe you wanted to screw him. Right. I feel like there's a legit reason why. What's the reason? Because why? you don't want to throw good money after bad. Why give these people help when they're idiots? Like, That's why legit. would we? That to me is a legit reason for them doing it. Yeah. But do I really want Jeff Bezos to have all this information about what does it help him to do this? Like my first question was like, oh, he's getting into healthcare. He'll help us do this. He'll collect a lot of information. Even though he says it's protected, he gets to understand systems. He gets to like worm his way back into government contracting. I was kind of like, what's the thing he's not telling us? Right, like, right. And so I, my first thing was to be nervous about it, even though, it, by the way, I was advocating. I was like, give it to Walmart and Amazon. We'll all be vaccinated tomorrow because they can deliver yeah. a thing of ginger ale to me in 14 seconds. If I want. I'm thinking of ginger ale, it's at my house, right? That kind of thing. Yeah, the, the, like, bed bath, the Bed Bath & Beyond coupons. Like, they can figure that shit out. So, yeah. But yeah, and this is what's good is because you're like our resident skeptic, expert and cynic. Not, not cynic, but like, this feels true for you across the board. Like, you're not blinded. You're never yeah. impressed. Never impressed. Just by you, Jennifer. <laughs> I mean, so you, if you have to put their motivation to these tech companies, mm-hmm. is it wrong to put it at money? Is that... Yes, money plus? it's complicated. No, I think it's not just money. It's yeah. that they think they know better. I think if you had to pick one of the things is like, let so us annoying. take care of it. They think yeah. we know better. And, yeah. you know, I just said this to someone. I've never met a group of people that have more grievance about not being beloved than this group of people. Like, oh, <laughs> we've done so much for the world. How dare you question us? Yeah. Foreign policy people are the same way. Yeah. So it's we told you. Right. Um, so I think the government has an ability to one Get some liability in there because a good lawsuit really does clean up a place rather right. quickly, right? They'll start behaving. They'll start thinking if they think they're going to, you know, have a lawsuit to accountability, which is like hold them to account for the things that happen. And that liability helps. That what what are some of the options their- for like a Biden-Harris administration? There's both legislation and then there's regulation. Right. There's a lot of things. And by the way, calling them big tech is the real problem. There's no such thing. They're individual companies that have individual issues that need to be dealt with in individual ways. But Washington tends to like to shorthand things where then that makes them stupid, essentially. So one is Section 230. What do you do with something that gives these platforms broad immunity? You cannot just repeal it. That makes them immune from lawsuits. So they're not held responsible for what somebody else says on their platform. They are not. That's what Section 230 is. There is a smart way to hold them responsible in some cases. You don't have to like repeal it to fix it, right? You have to think it was done in order to protect them at the right time. Things are different. How do we do it so that small companies don't get dinged for this? Big companies have some liability. There's a smart way to do it. So they have incentive to like try to clean up the bad stuff that's on their platform. That's right. And is that legislation? That's legislation. That's a reform of 230. Yes, it's a reform of It would require legislation. legislation. Yes. So then there's fines, fines that we can put in place by the FTC or whoever, like in terms of violations. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of fines that can be put into place by states and local and everything else. And initiatives on the state level, like different propositions and things like that, that can happen like in California. Then there's antitrust action. That's the sort of the hardest because it takes forever. That would be lawsuits. Lawsuits, would, right. Yeah. By state and government, by the way. It has to be done together. 
the states and the federal government. So that's yeah. something that, like, for example, the Biden DOJ could pursue these lawsuits. Can continue these lawsuits and increase them. You know, the antitrust lawsuit in Google has to move forward. They have to be strong on that one and figure it out and not pull back on it and pretend they're going to do it and then not do it because they will be emboldened if you do that. And then look at other areas of antitrust. It's not my greatest option, but it's there. It should be there in some cases for, you know, figuring out whether these people like two companies should control the entire online advertising market. No, Mm -hmm. like that should like we should Mm -hmm. start with the premise. No. And then work our way down from there. So you have antitrust action. Then you have current laws in place that we can enforce better. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the FTC has tried to do that, but is woefully undermanned. And explain the FTC is like an independent commission. They're regulators. Get those commissioners on there right away. By the way, the Republican chairman who's there right now who will leave, Joe Simons, he's rumored to be leaving. He Mm -hmm. did a great job, by the way. He did Mm -hmm. a great job. It doesn't have to be a partisan thing. No, it just was underfunded. There's like a million Facebook PR people and only not very many FTC lawyers. So you have to give them the ability to sue. Like Mm -hmm. they usually settle because they don't can't do the suits because they don't have enough resources. Give them resources to have some sort of real enforcement ability. And I think they're super smart at the FTC. Why should we want this? Like, why should we want more regulation? Like, what would it result in? more regulation. It's enforcing regulation. Like, look, Facebook went back so many times on its consent decrees. Like, you have to enforce it. Like, if they think they're getting a parking ticket, they're going to do it. It's just cost doing business. Right, exactly. So that's one thing. And then regulatory laws like around Apple, for example, yeah. with the with the app store, maybe some rules where they don't charge 30 percent. Maybe you don't need to do antitrust there. Maybe it is a good system to have just one or two app things to protect people's safety because, you know, there's only two phone systems. I mean, uh, you know, mobile phone markets. And then the last thing I think is most important is to promote innovation so that we have more companies like not okay. let Facebook and others buy up and kill off competitors, force innovation by giving grants, by being focused in on. Like, how do you make more companies so that there's only not one social media company, one e-commerce company? How do you encourage that? And that's a much more long-term one. And it's good for this country and it's good for battling China and everything else is how do we keep innovation real? And there's so many areas now we can focus in and we don't want it to get a one winner take all, which it sort of is right now. AI is Mm -hmm. one of them. Transportation. There's a lot of players in that. There's a lot of players in healthcare. There's a lot of players in cloud. Climate change. There should be a lot of players figuring things out. And we have to encourage that as a, a government to help invest and make it easy for, say, climate change tech people. We don't want one person. You remember the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Total Recall, one person in charge of the air on Mars? We don't want that. We want lots of people to be in charge of the air on Mars. And so uh, that's one thing. And we have to really encourage them not to break laws. Yeah. Encourage them to do it themselves, because I do believe in self-regulation. You know, there are cities where if you run a stop sign, you're getting a ticket. And then there are other cities, I'm thinking (laughs) Italy, you can drive any way you want and nothing happens. So you do, right? So maybe we need to be a little more one wrong move. Don't make me come at like enforcement and the idea that the federal government is there to protect its citizens. And then lastly, a privacy bill. We should have a national privacy bill. If we don't, I'm going to be very unhappy with Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi does not need that. What I do worry about is that given how much stuff there is to do, you know, I focus a lot on tech regulation, that tech is going to get out of it again. You think so? Yeah, I do. Because look, you can say, okay, we got COVID to fix. I'll get to tech in a second. We got the economy to fix. I'll get to tech. I know, I know. But, you know, the economy, you're like, oh, yeah, the economy. Or, uh, you know, the next thing will be whatever it is. I'm sorry, climate change. Climate Climate change. You know, we could all die. Who cares about the Internet? We could all die. So I think one of the things that's happened as we move out of the pandemic period is two things. 
These people have never been more powerful and more rich, and they got rich during the pandemic. Look at the wealth gap. Like, I think Jeff Bezos has put on the GDP of Hungary. I mean, it's some crazy amount of money he's richer or not how much money he has, how much money he's made. Made. Exactly. He's already like impossibly and obscenely wealthy. And why Um, is it compounded like that during the pandemic? Because they all have the solutions for a pandemic world, whether it's, Mm. you know, they delivery or information or whatever. It's it's perfect for the Internet companies. They are Mm -hmm. positioned. They're also a vaccinated workforce. I mean, they're not vaccinated at all, but they can work from home. All their businesses are flexible in ways other people's businesses aren't. So they've mm-hmm. just moved in and taken over, really. And and if you look at the top five most valuable companies, except for Saudi Aramco, which has gotten a big hit here, by the way, during this period, because nobody's traveling, you have all the tech companies. They're in the one, two, three, four, five, six, or something like that. The same thing with the richest people in the world. Top 10 are pretty much largely tech companies. There may be a, a ruler of some country in there. And they're richer than ever. And so therefore, they have more lobbying. They have more ability to make an argument about themselves. Right. By the way, there should be a one-time wealth tax, FYI. One-time wealth tax. One time. For now, for this time. For this year. Yep. What do you think of that? How can they argue against that? One-time wealth tax. I mean, they will, but it's like a good idea. You made unprecedented amounts of money during the pandemic, and it's not due to your fantastic innovation. Believe me, it's not. You just were there and the money fell on top of your head. By the way, we don't want to tax you all the time. Just this one time. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll happen again. Yeah. That's what what, that'll be the argument. That's going to. So the. All right. You had written a a piece about how you thought one of the problems is that too much is happening in Silicon Valley itself. And that if there was like regional diversification in this industry, that that would help. Talk about why that is. And also, you know, Ellen Powell, I had talked to Ellen Powell on this podcast a while ago. Mm -hmm. You know, she talks a lot about like diversity of the people who are in tech as well. Yep. How would both of these things help? I think one of the things that they never understand is how diversity helps. It's like a stack rank thing on number 17. A couple things. The reason like we had a lot of safety issues on Twitter and other places before, right? Mm -hmm. It still exists, right? Mm -hmm. Why? Because those people never felt unsafe. Why would people who design things who've never been unsafe design safety as their number one priority? They wouldn't. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't think about it. I think a lot of the people in those areas are still going to be the same white guys, essentially. But you have to think of diversity, not just in terms of race and gender, but in terms of geography, in terms Mm -hmm. of life experience, in terms of age, in terms of what's important to you in whatever geography. And so I think the more we place bets all over the map, I don't expect there to be a new Silicon Valley. I hate that. Silicon Beach, Silicon Prairie, Silicon, you know, Holler, whatever. I hate that one. I thought it was so insulting. It was like, these are not hillbillies. No, they're not. That's so mean. Like, you know, it's not an old Dolly Parton song for these people. They're smart people. So we don't have to create new things. It's just we have to encourage diversity in. And that's a great way to do it by having more places. Steve Case called it Rise of the Rest. And Mark Cuban has been behind it. That's something uh, Ron Klein worked on, the new White House chief of staff, too. Yeah, Ron did. That's exactly right. Exactly. Ron would certainly know about this. So I think that that's the kind of thing we have to focus in on. I think it's just really important that we have more people coming in with more ideas. Like, look, I think this Biden administration is even better just because of diversity. The Trump cabinet looked like people who'd never felt unsafe a day in their lives, right? And in Uh fact, have perpetrated lack of safety on people, right? So you just have to just bring that in just to have an irritant in the system, right? You want an irritant because irritants create change in a good way most of the time, much much of the time. Yeah, like an oyster and a pearl, right? Yes, that's that's my job. I'm an irritant. 
That's why I'm so useful. I'm the sand in your pearl, Jennifer. You are. You have a lot of grit and you do get the good things going. And that's a great segue to what I want to talk about in our next section, which is your reporting style and how you, again, live by the rule of never holding back. That's after the break with Kara Swisher on Just Something About Her. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. And we're back to Just Something About Her with our guest today, Kara Swisher. You cover the most modern industry, but you seem to take a very sort of like old fashioned approach to reporting. What is that ethos about? Because you seem to like, un- you understand the community that you're writing about, writing yep. for, and you call bullshit. That seems to have never left you. No. Like, what's that? What's that? Yeah. I just am a beat reporter. I like go in and find out. Old like, fashioned beat old reporter. Old fashioned right? beat reporter. I do find out, even when I'm doing stuff personally, I'm like, I call and talk to everybody. And then I have a point of view. I don't mind having a point of view once I talk to everybody, but I try not to have a point of view if I haven't done my homework. Other reporters don't want to have the point of view. They also don't do their homework. That's the other part that they don't do. Okay, because it does not hurt your credibility. Having a point of view has not hurt your credibility. Because it's an informed point of view. Yes, you having a point of view, I think, has helped your credibility because we understand where you are coming from. Yes, that's true. That is true. But I have a reported point of view. One of the things when we were reported point of view is a big deal. You know, when we were doing All Things D, when we started it, we sort of innovated in that area a lot. And I was working at the Wall Street Journal and I was writing a story. I've told this story before where it was like Web Van or one of them. And I did all the reporting. I'm like, this ain't going to work. This is really bad. They're going to lose all their money. Kind of, You know, I, I had experience to be able to make a determination. And the editor said, well, we have to like call question into that. We have to get someone to say that. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm saying it like this isn't going to work. It's going to work later conceptually delivery at home, but not today. And they were like, no, you have to put in that to be sure statement. And so you had to say, to be sure, some people think. And I wanted to say, to be sure, idiots think this. But Kara Swisher is here to tell you no. And so one of the things I pushed my reporters at All Things D, and like Peter Kafka, really great yeah. media reporter, and Jason Del Rey, who's a great commerce reporter, was like, okay, you went and found out everything. What do you think? Like, make a determination based on your reporting and your insight and analysis. And we would just say it. Like, Peter would write a story about Comcast and say they're doing this, but let me tell you what they're really going on. Like, here's what they want. And then readers are so thrilled to get that insight. Like, they're like, oh, 
It's yes. the things you go back when you go to the newsroom and saying, that guy's an asshole, but I'm going to write this for all kinds of reasons. You know those people. Right. You know? Sure. And that's what yeah. we tried. We tried to put it in so that it was informed analysis, informed and reported analysis. And sometimes we've been wrong, right? right? But often we've been right. Like the coup thing, two, three weeks ago, I said, Donald Trump's getting kicked off. He's going to do something. It's going to go too far. Right. And now they're ready to do it because I had done reporting and I knew they were ready to do it. Uh, that, that you knew that they were like on the verge. They were like, they were on the verge, a, but yeah. they, I was like, it probably will be after he leaves. But I had done tons of reporting. You've talked about how you don't have imposter syndrome, which a lot of women, right. you know, no, like that. is that why? Because you do the homework? I did the homework. Is that it? Is it as simple as that? I know the answer. Like I, I studied, I studied, I read, I did, I, I called people, I asked questions, I looked at the things. This is my analysis based on looking. I, I do enough work so that it's not a guess. It's an informed looking at the situation. You know, it's what I wanted to do actually for my career. I wanted to be a CIA. I wanted to be, you know, the homeland lady without. Oh, without crazy. the craziness. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I wanted to be an intelligence analyst. And so that's what I do. I'm going to say, I think based on what I'm seeing, this is what's going to happen. A lot of women put the work in and doubt themselves and they shouldn't. Yeah. And they're quiet. And then, oh, and then it happens. And I put myself right. out there. I'm like, I think, and again, I would have been happy to be wrong. Often I am right because I did the work, not because I'm such a good guesser. It's because I actually like spend a lot of time and get expertise and based on what's happened. And I also know a lot about these people too, right? Mm -hmm. I've spent time with them personally. And so I'm like, what are they going to do? That's I know. Yeah. Right? That's another thing reporters need to do. Spend time. I mean, yeah. it's hard to do right now, but like, yeah. But if you do put the work in and, you, put you know, put yourself in. out there, the more you put yourself out there, the less scary it becomes. 100 percent, Jennifer, because you're such a retiring. Well, this is these are these, these are things of <laughs> like a shrinking violet Jennifer Palmieri. <laughs> That's the words I would use to describe you. Uh so I know your mom is like a big Fox News watcher, right? You she tweet is. about her and talk about her. So, mm -hmm. so how calm. Huh? I got Hannity all up in my grill. You what? I, when I wrote that column about COVID, my mom had yeah. had called COVID the flu, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, Sean Hannity, I'm not going to sue you, although I should if she dies. But, you know, my mom was one of those listening to Fox News and was saying COVID at the, in March was like the flu. And so I wrote this story and then Sean Hannity lost his ever loving mind. And, you know, it's not a lot to lose, but. Not a lot left. He, he went crazy against me and it was great. He was so dumb. I, and I was like, I kept like trolling him and he's still, ugh. <laughs> like whatever <laughs> they're so serious yeah but um do you feel like is your oh Hannity okay yeah it's Fox News my mom is fine she is now watching Netflix a lot the crown seems to have occupied so this is interesting time. you tweeted about this you feel yeah. so there was like actual evidence that Fox's viewers are going down mm -hmm. and they're moving to like cultural you know streaming she didn't like the coup the coup was a step too far for Lucky Carney and she thought Trump caused it it was hard not to make the link. And so Trump, she never liked, but she tolerates. She's right. one of those like, ugh, he's a jerk, but so what? And yeah. I was like, because it's going to lead to a coup. And then she's like, that's ridiculous, Kara. And then it led to a coup. And she's like, OK, it led to a coup. You're right. Well, um, so yeah. she's moved on to more cultural things. I think she still has it on in the background. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, you know, and yeah. is getting slowly homicidal as life goes on. But I think she thinks a little less of them, like, because they were wrong. It's interesting to me that they have been watching Fox the last few days since the Biden administration. And they're kind of like, seem to be like flailing about a little bit to find what mm -hmm. to do. Talk about like how bad COVID is in California because Gavin Newsom is a Democrat. And I've noticed that Fox viewers may be leaving, but they're not going to Newsmax, which is the more hardcore version of Yes, well, because they're even more wrong, right? Yeah. I think people are exhausted and they lost and they knew they lost, right? Ultimately, they yeah. knew they did. I know a lot of people think there was election fraud. All the liberals are like, oh no, they believe it's a fraud. I think if you actually 
poke them a little bit, they know they lost. Does that make sense? I I, I think there are people that we can go to and go to some diner and they'll be angry and stuff like that. That old diner trope that reporters always do. (laughs) There's a lot of people who are like, you know what? Let's just, this was enough. he, He pushed it too far. We don't want an America like this. Maybe we were wrong. You know, I think we have to give people an opportunity to do that. I did a really interesting interview with Isabel Wilkerson about caste. Mm-hmm. And we talked about what happened at the Capitol and things like yep. that. And I mm-hmm. think it's sort of sinking in that that looked pretty unfair that those white people got to do a terrible thing and didn't yep. suffer for it. I think most people think they should go to jail. I don't think they're heroes. But I do think you have to give people, even though I don't want to, I want them to pay. <laughs> like at the, at the top people, I want to pay for their bad behavior. Right. But on some level, you do have to give some people an out, even though you don't like it. Because if you don't give them an out, they will become more radicalized in that regard. I do agree with that. And Democrats give people outs more than Republicans. You know, that's a very Democrat. Yes, I know, which is why the Republic is still standing. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, that's right. You know, like, and I know, you know, there's like the mantra on the, on the Democratic side right now is like no unity without accountability. And I think right. that that's right for the leaders. Oh, agree. But I'm with you about like with your average American, average Trump supporter. That's who I'm talking about. Like take the temperature down and let people come to their own conclusions. And, and just give them as, good information, give them good quality service, get yeah. them vaccinated, pick up the trash and deliver right. the mail. It goes yes. a long, long way. Yes, basic services. The leaders, oh no, they get to pay. They get yeah. to pay and they pay big and they pay in lots of ways. I think Rudy Giuliani should have his legal thing pulled. Pulled, yeah. that's it, done. Yeah. We're done yeah. with that. And not even debate it. I think one of the things that Democrats do have to stop doing is being so righteous about it. I think Biden actually does this well. He's sort of like, you know, like, hey, yeah. we're going to do the right thing. I don't think he ever feels righteous. And I think he's got that tone just right. You know, mm-hmm. he never yeah. feels indignant, indignant. He never feels he feels calm. He feels like, well, that's not a nice thing. I think we'll have to deal with it. And I like that. I think that's probably the right tone he's got, even though some people like don't like it. But I do also want the Elizabeth Warrens and the AOCs to be there and others Mm -hmm. to be like, no, like, no, because I think that is effective, too. I want all voices to be represented, right? I think it's important that people see that. I want them to scare people. I want them to like, yes, I want them to be there. And so maybe Kamala Harris could play that role. I don't know. But someone has to be like, "Mm, I'm watching you, you know, kind of thing. And I'm not I'm going to get you kind of thing. And we're watching you carefully. Same thing with tech is when Mark Zuckerberg was doing an interview. He said his existential threat was Elizabeth Warren. I'll never forget that. I was like, what? Like, not death, not climate change, not eventual hair loss. That's not your exist. You know, like, I was like, of all the many things, it's a li-. And I was like, good for her. She got right inside his head. She climbed in. She's and so she's good fucking at that. With him. You she, know what I mean? And that's yes, good. She yes, should keep that pressure up because I'm watching you and I have the ability to do something about it. And getting back to tech, you do not let them out and say bygones. You say, here's what we want. Here's what we expect of you. And just like everyone else, chemical companies, opiate companies, cigarette companies, Hollywood banks, you're getting on board the Regulation Express, just like the rest of them. And we're not going to be perfect. We're going to try our hardest to do good regulations that do not stop innovation. But guess what? You're adults now and it's time to act like them. And I think that's a really good way to behave toward them and involve them in it and not let them do their nonsense about we're just you know, lovely guys in hoodies because they're not. So and the skateboards, the skateboards on University Skateboard. Avenue. Is what fucking <laughs> Did me. you go out there? Did you almost no, work No, no, no. It's just like, it's just like, it's just. You know you can't resist that tech money, Jennifer. I did do an informational interview at, at Facebook. 
um, in Ugh. 17 and I was, Whatever. they told me, this is hilarious, Kara. The feedback I got was that they were not blown away by me, that they expected what? to be. <laughs> what a bitch. <laughs> it's like, hey, feeling mutual. You know what? I'm not blown away by you. You know, I have a thing I do, a thing I do to Mark Zuckerberg every time and it works that, that, that um, it, when we're together, it make it unsettles him so much. I just disagree every time on something. And yeah. I do. I actually have, it's a disagreement. He doesn't see me anymore, as you might imagine, but he's always like, what? Like, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't work for you. Right. So I can say right. what I think. He's actually a nice guy. Let me just say. For Is he people, a nice guy? He's a lovely guy. Oh, okay. See, that's good. See, this He's is, a lovely this is the great guy. Thing about you. Is way over his skis. On, Who as, wouldn't be? As any would be. As anyone would be. It's like yes. being president of the United States. Like yep. there's not any one human that has all of the, you know, that alone. Too can much do power, that job. not enough accountability, not enough yeah. knowledge. The president of the United States no, got a lot of accountability, but no the, easy solutions. And that's I I feel for him in that regard. Yeah, is that there's no easy solutions to what he is experiencing, and therefore let's help him. Let's help him, Jennifer. All right, sister and I have to go. Thank you so much. All, All right. right. It's great to talk to you. Thank you. Sari, you still there? I am. Great conversation. Super informative. What did you think of everything she was saying? I mean, she's just so freaking smart. It's just in, in real time. She's <laughs> like, hey, how about a one-time wealth tax? And I was like, sure. That, that makes- blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. genius. Like, they didn't make all that money for any particular reason, except for that they were there during a moment when we needed that. Right. Yeah. It's fascinating to talk to her and you see, you just kind of get a glimpse of what we're in for in this next era that I I think that there will Mm -hmm. be tech platforms held to account. There are a lot of options for legislative, regulatory things that can happen in the courts. This administration is not even a week old yet. But you see kind of waking up to a new sense of accountability. And I think that we're going to look back on the years prior as this time where the Internet ran wild and there were dramatic and devastating consequences. But for Kara, I mean, I think the lesson for women is Kara does her homework. Kara is confident that she knows what she's talking about. And therefore, Kara is not scared to draw conclusions and assert what she thinks because she's not just operating from her gut, although like you should listen to your gut. Mm -hmm. She's done her homework, but most women do do that. And we still doubt ourselves. And I think women should look at what Kara has done and realize I am as certain of my facts and views as she is, and I should assert them with the same kind of confidence that Kara Swisher does. Yeah, definitely. There's like a through line of being true to yourself and like believing in yourself, which she apparently said to you when you wanted to write your book, which is don't hold back, be true to yourself, because then you're transparent and people really understand where you're coming from. And it's the same way that she approaches her journalism, which is she doesn't hold back from her opinion because she's transparent about all the work that she's put into each interview, each story she writes, each podcast she produces. So I think that there's like a big lesson there. And apparently it also rids you of imposter syndrome, which I feel like is a quest we are on to figure out how to get rid of imposter syndrome on this podcast. Yeah, I really do carry her around with me a lot in my mind because she is a good model for how women should be more confident and be more forthright about what they think. You know, and a little adventurous in like what you propose to do next. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan. 
Um, so that was awesome. Glad we did it. And actually doing it in two parts was fine. It was, you know, sort of interesting to totally talk fine. to her before the inauguration and then get her take on things after. I was definitely nervous to have tech issues with Kara Swisher, but she handled it very well and was so understanding and flexible. So thank you, Kara. Yeah. She's wildly patient when it comes to tech issues. It's funny. All right. All right. Great. Thanks, sister. Talk to you later. This is Just Something About Her, a podcast from The Recount and iHeartRadio. Thank you to Kara Swisher for being on the show. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating in the Apple Podcast app. I'm your host, Jennifer Palmieri. Aaliyah Jackson and D. Scott Carroll engineered this podcast. Jessica Williams handles research. Stephanie Stender is our post-producer. Sari Soffer is our producer. And Christian Castro-Russell is our executive producer. 